Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number is 877-381-3811, Happy Friday. We keep our foot down on the gas pedal. Could be Tuesday for all we care. We just keep plowing ahead. We pointed out yesterday that the Biden announcement, which we played for you in part, following the CDC announcement that you can take off your mask if you've been vaccinated, was preposterous. That we'd all been been taking off our masks. We had a discussion about vaccinations. I think it was three weeks ago or so. So if you're vaccinated, live your life. That means you're not going to get the virus and you can't give the virus. Now, I understand I haven't been in the federal government 50 years heading the infection disease unit at the NIH and so forth. I understand I'm not qualified to be the head of the CDC, uh, but I have a lot more brain power than Joe Biden. That's a fact. And so when Biden and Harris show up behind that microphone, I said at the time, this was a, a, a ridiculous stunt. Where they take their masks off and they say, all of a sudden today we can take our masks off. And it was all intended to divert attention from the gas lines, the increased price of everything, inflation going through the roof, what's going on in the Middle East and other parts of the world, all intended to be a shiny object because they think you're stupid. They think you're stupid like the Democrat Party base, which is stupid. But you're not. And so this, this administration, this Biden administration and Biden himself have used this vaccination and this vaccine, these vaccines, for political exploitive purposes. It's the only thing that's keeping his numbers positive because he's, he's stealing uh, the success from the prior administration, the prior president, the distribution plan that was developed by the prior administration, the prior president. And then he gives these propaganda events 
And, of course, the media slobber all over him, except for Peter Ducey. Now, that kid is a reporter. He's a serious journalist. All the rest of them are there, their tongues hanging out from beneath their masks, with the spittle dripping on their loafers. So it's obvious. It's obvious from the beginning. We weren't getting honest science. It's been politicized. Of course, this was a dire event. Don't get me wrong. But what some of these governors did to destroy their cities and destroy their states and destroy an entire year of, of education for our children, they need to be held to account. This is outrageous. And now the same Democrats driving inflation through this guy, subsidizing people to stay home where people can't, can't hire, can't find people to work in their businesses. What is that? Bernie Sanders is smiling. Of course he is. He's an old red. He's an old Marxist. But that's not what I wanted to focus on. I was uh, minding my own business, preparing my show, as I always do, spending a lot of time doing it. And I want to talk about the Middle East and other things in a moment, but stick with me. And Juan Williams, this isn't even a criticism of Juan Williams. Juan Williams was going on about critical race theory and the fact that, look, kids need to be taught about lynchings. They need to be taught about slavery. They need to understand that the Civil War was about slavery and so forth. Is somebody opposed to that? Who's opposed to that? Oh, we actually have it. Good job, Mr. Producer. Because I asked him at the last minute. Let's go ahead and play this, Rich. Go ahead. I think talking about race makes lots of people uncomfortable. I think some people think it invites charges of guilt, embarrassment. Uh, There's resentment. There's disagreement. All of that's there. But I don't think that healing on what is a major problem in American society, I don't think healing can begin unless we have the conversation. And if all of you are saying that, you know, school children are such snowflakes, you can't tell them about American history. You can't tell them about slavery. You can't tell them about the rise of the Klan. You can't tell Let them about ba- black people bird. being lynched. That's no, you absolutely can't. That's, you absolutely that's, can't. that's why we need of, to have the, that conversation. Those are all parts of the American school that's curriculum. What I'm trying we all to learned say. all of those things in yes. school one. That, no, that's not what we're talking I'm about sorry, here, though. but you still have... <laughs> Hang on a second, Martha, because that's not true. We still have states in this country where they ban textbooks that talk about slavery as the cause for the Civil War, where they don't want to hear about ongoing racism in this society. All right, so you get the drift. And I know of no state that has banned textbooks that talk about slavery. I know of none, not one. If one knows of one, he should present it. But again, I want to discuss this. This is not a criticism of him, although there's many reasons which I could do that. He does not understand what critical race theory is. Nobody says we shouldn't discuss slavery and the causes of the Civil War and the Klan and so forth. In fact, I think we should discuss it more and make it abundantly clear that the Democrat Party was aligned with the Klan. The Democrat Party supported segregation after the end of the Civil War, uh, and the Democrat Party was the party of Jim Crow. I have no problem teaching all those things. I think Juan would. But this is a complete misunderstanding of critical race theory. This has nothing to do with critical race theory. 
This has nothing to do with what people are objecting to. Critical race theory, as a matter of fact, its proponents, its leading so-called scholars, believe that Brown versus Board of Education, which Juan William has written about, is a big uh, fan of Justice Marshall, Thurgood Marshall. He's written about Thurgood Marshall. Brown versus Board of Education and the other civil rights decisions coming out of the Supreme Court and the 1964 and 65 Civil Rights Acts, as well as uh, other statutes addressing issues of racism. Critical race theory scholars in our law schools and colleges argue that this is of no merit. That the entire civil rights movement and those Supreme Court decisions were nothing more than a band-aid placed on top of a white, systemically racist, dominant society. And that those who support the civil rights movement, those who support and use those decisions from the Supreme Court are nothing more than patsies. That they have done nothing but contribute to the white dominant systemically racist society by allowing whites to get away with the original sin. And so it's not enough to have a civil rights movement. It's not enough to have these marches in the 1960s and 70s and 50s. It's not enough to have these laws. It's not enough to have the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. These are all a ruse. Collectively, they're a ruse. There are no consequence. Because we still have a white-dominated society. We still have a white-dominated society. So, one woman doesn't understand what critical race theory is. But he's not alone, which is one of the reasons I've written this book. People talk about critical race theory. They're teaching this, they're teaching that. Who's teaching what? What is it? What does it all mean? You know, funny thing about Karl Marx. Karl Marx despised socialists. He despised them. Because he said that they were giving cover to the capitalists. Because they were trying to make capitalism better. And Marx said, there's no making something better. We must destroy it. We must rip it up and start new. That's why the critical race theory adherents say that the civil rights movement and all those decisions by the Supreme Court are of no consequence. They're pretending to fix something that can't be fixed. And that's because the critical race theory movement is a communist movement. It's a Marxist movement. And by the way, it's not just critical race theory. It's called critical theory. And it has applications across our society. That's the purpose of it. That's why they quote-unquote invented it. That's why I call it American Marxism. That's just one piece of it. So you will understand this in Chapter 4 of American Marxism. That's called Racism, Genderism, and Marxism. So this isn't about teaching actual American history. This is about destroying America. 
This is about brainwashing our children. And by the way, this is not just about damaging the psyche of white kids, but black kids too. Just like Marx, they don't treat children as individuals. You're in a group. You have to be in a group. Otherwise, we can't have the oppressor and the oppressed model, can we? You're in a group. You're black, you're in that group. You're white, you're in that group. And that's the way it is. You got to have class warfare. You got to have a victim and an oppressor. And that's what's going on in these classrooms. Something I want to talk about much more deeply when the book comes out. But that's what's going on in these classrooms. Not teaching about slavery and, and the Civil War. We want that taught. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The truth shall set you free. But this isn't the truth. This is Marxist indoctrination. They want you to believe the nation started in 1619. The nation didn't start in 1619. The slaves that were brought to our shores, nobody asked the ship that brought those slaves to even bring the slaves. And the community they were brought to didn't even have slaves. And as Professor Peter Wood explained last Sunday on my Fox show, they were treated for a period of time as indentured slaves, indentured servants, and then released. Now, you may not like that, but that was 1619. But America didn't start in 1619. And slavery didn't start in 1619. Slavery started with the, with the birth of human beings, actually. And slavery didn't start in the Americas in 1619. There had been slavery well before 1619. Indian tribes enslaving defeated Indian tribes. All throughout the Americas. Same throughout Africa. All I'm saying is, let's teach the truth. Let's teach the history. You want to teach history? Let's teach history. What went on in the United States? Fine. What went on in Africa? Fine. What went on in the Americas before there was a United States of America? That's fine. Just don't lie about it. And just don't preach racist indoctrination and then tell us you're teaching us history. That the kids have to learn about lynchings. Of course they have to learn about lynchings. And they should. And they ought to learn about some. And they ought to learn about the civil rights movement. But critical race theory rejects that. That's the point. It is a Marxist movement, not a civil rights movement. They don't give a crap about what happened in Selma. They don't give a damn about Brown versus Board of Education. They reject them as nothing more than an attempt to put makeup on a society that cannot be fixed but must be destroyed. So people going on out there to oh, critical race theory, many of them have a very surface level understanding of what they're talking about. And I, I'm just glad they're talking about it, don't get me wrong. But when you're done reading American Marxism, you're going to know all about this. And by the way, I'm not the only one to write about this. But I'm going to synthesize it in a way that it's digestible. And then you're going to see the 
as the left says, the intersectionality of these various spawned Marxist movements that have been Americanized, that have been adopted to our economic system, adopted to our political system, adopted to our media system, to undermine and devour all of them. I also want to thank you. Unbelievably, 70,000 pre-orders of the hardcover of American Marxism. 70,000. On our way, I hope to 100,000. And I need your support. Tonight, Saturday, and Sunday. I won't be on the air Saturday and Sunday on radio. So if you can head over to Amazon or your favorite site, and you're going to order copies, please, please grab a few now if you can. We want to get to that mark. I want to announce it, and we want to make a big splash. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You know, I was on with uh, Brian Kilmeade yesterday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox. And uh, we talked about a number of things. He also wanted to talk about Liz Cheney. And at the end, I said, I don't care about Liz Cheney. But she's going to be on Sunday shows. She's being interviewed by the Washington Post. I'm sure the New York Times. In other words, all the newspapers and some of the uh, TV shows that none of us watch and none of us read. So she's reaching out to the Democrats. She's reaching out to the liberals. They have warmly embraced her for now with their stilettos in their back pockets so they can eventually stab her in the back. So this is not a woman who's leading a movement. This is not a woman who has any chance of leading the Republican Party. This is a woman on a vendetta. It's pure and simple. More when I return. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. 
We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the voice liberals fear most. And you can call Mark at 877-381-3811. The uh, Democrat Party and the media, one and the same, have this this massive anti-Semite problem among them. And of course, nobody talks about it. Everybody's afraid to talk about it. Even some of my fellow conservatives on TV and radio, they're afraid to talk about it. They don't think you're going to want to hear about it. They don't understand that in addition to Jews, we have righteous individuals, whether they be Christians or Muslims or atheists or whatever, righteous individuals who are concerned about this, who understand history. See, I have faith in you, my audience. This is why I tell you what I'm thinking as if your family members at a dinner table. I don't have to create narratives and position myself. You know what I think? I feel like I know what you think. And before I get to that, this is really quite remarkable. So the Israelis put out the word that they were planning an invasion of the Gaza. That they were going to move the artillery, and they moved their artillery up to the line. They were talking about an invasion. And so Hamas sent scores of their terrorists into their underground tunnels. Now the Israelis knew they would send scores of their terrorists into the underground tunnels. So they did not invade. They did not move the tanks into the Gaza Strip. But they dropped 450 bombs in 35 minutes on these tunnels and killed, Lord knows how many of these terrorists, but a whole damn bunch of them. The, uh, they were talking about sending infantry, artillery, tanks that were moved towards the IDF border. Hamas believed that Israel was about to begin a ground invasion. As a result, Hamas sent its fighters to its underground tunnel system beneath Gaza City. The IDF brought in 160 aircraft and dropped 450 bombs containing over 80 tons of explosives, hitting 150 terror targets in 35 minutes. Hamas's underground city was hit with enormous force, and the IDF collapsed the whole tunnel system, the terror tunnel system, on the heads of the terrorists hiding in the tunnels. Nobody knows the exact toll. Maybe somebody will, uh, maybe Hamas will contact, uh, what's the guy's name? Trey Yingst. Maybe Hamas will say, hey, Trey, over here, we want to give you some information. Maybe they'll give some information to Trey Yingst. He seems to have a decent uh, relationship with them. But according to estimates, a large number of terrorists were buried in the sands beneath Gaza. Well then, they got what they deserved. A sand sandwich, as we like to say. 
We're going to have to take a little bit of time on this, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, the Democrat Party, as you know, is the party of slavery and segregation, and now it's the party of anti-Semitism. And I don't care how many of my fellow Jews are Democrats. There's no accounting for stupidity. I don't care how many liberals out there, regardless of their faith, say, wow, what's he talking about? Talking about your party. Talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm waiting for the uh, Anti-Defamation League and all the other Jewish organizations, apart from ZOA, of course, to condemn them. But I'm not hearing very much. Here she is on the floor of the House yesterday. Missiles being fired into Israel. Israel defending itself. And, of course, she attacks Israel. Cut one, go. And the United States must acknowledge its role in the injustice and human rights violations of Palestinians. This is not about both sides. This is about an imbalance of power. Now let's stop there. See, it's been my theory, which I've uh, shared with you, that the reason Israel is attacked by reprobates like this in the pages of the New York Times, and the pages of the Washington Post, and officials in the Biden administration on and off the record, is because Israel now can defend itself and defend itself in a way that it has the capacity to crush its enemies. It's a real country with a real military. And so what reprobates like Cortez and Talib and Presley and the other anti-Semite Marxists do is they say, look at the imbalance of power. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if people are shooting missiles into our cities, Mexico or Canada, it doesn't matter that we have more power than they do. We're not going to tolerate it. We're not going to tolerate it. And if Israel wanted to blow off the face of the earth, everything that exists in the Gaza Strip and in the Palestinian Authority areas, it would have been over in 72 hours. They just sent 160 fighter jets, dropped 450 bombs, targeted like lasers on these tunnels. If they want to target citizens the way Hamas, Islamic Jihad... The Palestinian Authority, Hezbollah, and the rest of them target Israeli citizens. It would have a different effect now, wouldn't it? Go ahead. When I first got here in 2019, the Israeli government refused to admit two members of the United States Congress, Rashida Tlaib and Representative Ilhan Omar, into the country. Of course they did. Because they're representatives of Hamas and Islamic Jihad. I'm being perfectly serious. They are in effect, not officially, of course, but in effect, they are the spokespeople in the United States Congress for Hamas and Islamic Jihad, if not Hezbollah in Iran. Let me repeat it. So Media Matters and Mediaite and all the other dumb bastards out there can hear exactly what I'm saying. Excuse my French. Talib Omar... And the other Marxist anti-Semites are, in effect, the spokespeople, in effect, the spokespeople for Hamas, a terrorist group, Islamic Jihad, a terrorist group, Abbas, a terrorist, and the United States House of Representatives. They are proud members of the Democrat Party. 
They are proud members of the Democrat Party. So is Bernie Sanders. What did he say? I said, so is Bernie Sanders. Well, he's Jewish. What do I care? It's irrelevant. The New York Times also had Jewish ownership when it was covering up the Holocaust. This isn't about whether they're Jewish or whether. It's irrelevant. AOC, Talib, Omar, they're not Jewish. Two of them are Muslim. But I'm going to call these people out. I'm going to point them out. There's not another host in America who will get behind a microphone and do what I'm doing. I'm not putting them down. I get it. It's treacherous territory. But I don't care. The truth shall set you free. They go to the floor of the House of Representatives and they mouth, they mouth the propaganda of terrorist organizations. That's what they do. Next up. Rashida Talib. Cut to go. Our party leaders have spoken forcefully against BDS, calling its proponents anti-Semitic, despite the same tactics being critically critical to ending the South African apartheid mere decades ago. Now, you see, this is what the Marxists do. Israel's not South Africa, and yet the Palestinians started the BDS movement. They use the BDS movement against the Israelis. We have Israeli Arabs. Tell me, how many Palestinian Jews do we have? I'm just curious. How many Hamas Jews exist? How many Libyan Jews are around? How many Iraqi Jews are around? I'm just curious. For that matter, how many Iraqi Christians are left? How many Egyptian Christians are left? We don't need to hear this crap from this anti-Semite Marxist. Apartheid? I've been to Israel. Has she been to Israel? I get in cabs. Virtually every cab I've ever gotten into has an Arab driver. There's Arab communities in Israel. Arabs get to vote in Israel. They have representation in the Knesset in Israel. They have the same due process right in the Israeli courts as Jewish Israelis. What the hell is she talking about? But you know what? She's actually right now that I think about this. She's right about this. About, about this apartheid line, Mr. Producer. But it exists within the Palestinian world. You see, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a Palestinian and you want to live a legal life and you want to be left alone and you want to make a living... If you don't bow down to the terrorist leaders of Hamas and the terrorist leaders of the Palestinian Authority, if you dare to sell your property to a Jew, if you dare to show any humanity whatsoever to people outside of that community, you're going to be killed. So Rashida Tlaib, as stupid as she is, actually hit a very important point. That is... Within the Palestinian world, there is apartheid. Within the Palestinian world, there is apartheid. Go ahead. What we are telling Palestinians fighting apartheid is the same thing being told to my black neighbors and Americans throughout that are fighting against police brutality here. There is no form of acceptable resistance to state violence. 
As long as the, the hell are you talking about? The hell are you talking about? So now our cops are what? Go ahead. Is that our military support for Israel is unconditional. Netanyahu's extremism, right wing government will continue to expand settlements. All right, you can't even read what was written for Netanyahu. Thank the good Lord Netanyahu is still prime minister of Israel, despite the stupidity of about a third of the Israeli people. Sorry, call him as I see him. Because he's a warrior. He's a warrior. And can you imagine Lapid in the left center, and they had an Arab alliance, and then you have this backstabbing saboteur, Naftali Bennett, with minimal experience, and there they are arguing among each other while the country's coming under attack. Netanyahu doesn't take any of that crap. That's why they hate Netanyahu. That's why they hated Trump. That's why they hated Reagan. These are strong men, and they use their position not for ill, not to conquer, not to brutalize, But they will protect and defend. They will protect and defend. And let me tell you something, Rashida Talib. The Israeli government and Benjamin Netanyahu treat the Arabs and, yes, the Palestinians in Israel with far more compassion and humanity and respect than they're treated by their own so-called leadership in Gaza City and by the Palestinian Authority, where they can be summarily executed, where many of them are purposely impoverished, where there is no free press to tell anybody what's going on, much like America. So the fact of the matter is, Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli government treat Arabs, and yes, Palestinians in Israel, far better than they're treated by their own leaders, who share their own ethnicity, you jerk. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You want to live in a world where Rashida Talib is in charge or AOC is in charge or I, whatever the hell, Presley's first name, Ayanna, whatever. You really on Omar, do you? You want to live in a world where Black Lives Matter and Antifa are in charge? Well, that's what these clowns are talking about. That's what these clowns are talking about, folks. 
And that's what they are. Well, we have Ayanna Presley on the floor yesterday. And here's what she had to say. Cut three, go. As a black woman in America, I am no stranger to police brutality and state-sanctioned violence. We have been criminalized for the very way we show up in the world. Last summer, when Black Lives Matter protesters took to the streets to demand justice, they were met with force. They faced tear gas, rubber bullets, and a militarized police, just as our Palestinian brothers and sisters are facing in Jerusalem today. shut up, you idiot. Your Palestinian brothers and sisters. When's the last time you were in Ramadan? When's the last time you were in Gaza City? You know, this clown AOC says that her two sisters weren't allowed in Israel. Well, why didn't they go to Gaza City? Why don't they go there now and see what's going on? And Ayanna Presley? The hell is she all about out of Massachusetts? Militarized police? I told you, and I'm going to say it for the third day in a row. People who hate America hate Israel. People who hate Israel hate America. People who love America love Israel. People who love Israel love America. These Marxist anti-Semites hate America. And they hate Israel. Can you imagine living in a world led by these people? Can you imagine? Yes. They're taking up, don't you know, for the... Anyway, what's her name again? Presley? Presley's another mouthpiece for Hamas. Effectively, an Islamic Jihad. What's Islamic Jihad? What is Palestinian Islamic Jihad? It was created by the Iranian regime. What is Hamas? It's a wholly owned subsidiary of the Iranian regime. What's Hezbollah? It was created by the Iranian regime. It destroyed the country of Lebanon, which was an ally, which was about half Christian, half Muslim, not so anymore. Beautifully run, beautiful country. But of course... It's been destroyed. That's what you get with the people, that is, the leadership in particular, that these stooges are defending and promoting. Are defending and promoting. Here you had Israel really on the precipice having a peace deal with Saudi Arabia, has a peace deal with four other Arab countries, Arab and Muslim countries. And yet, Talib, Omar, Presley, AOC, they know more about what's going on over there than the leaders of those countries. I despise these people. I despise their poison. I despise their anti-Semitism. I despise their anti-Americanism. And the fact that they have seats and vote in the United States House of Representatives is a shocking weakness in our system. And they're not alone. I'll be right back. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Why is Stacey Abrams important? There's, a, there's another one I don't understand. Liz Cheney 
has no support in the Republican caucus in the House, and she's likely to lose her seat in the Republican primary in Wyoming. And we don't get enough of Liz Cheney. Stacey Abrams. She lost her race for governor. She still hasn't conceded. You would think the media would be concerned about that, but we know the media are not consistent. We know they are corrupt. And they just keep talking to her and talking to her and talking to her. Why? She doesn't hold any office. Well, they, they push their narrative, ladies and gentlemen. Liz Cheney is more famous than she's ever been because she's undermining the Republican Party and she's trashing Trump. Stacey Abrams, they embrace Stacey Abrams. Because they believe that she is somebody who's been stirring the pot in Georgia and helping the Democrats. Even though she couldn't win office herself. And so they keep pushing these people on us. Just like AOC. Who cares about AOC? So what? Her district changed and became more and more Hispanic. The old white guy who was there, I believe he was uh, Irish-German descent. His community changed. And this is, of course, what the Democrats are doing demographically. Don't you dare mention this. Oh, okay. Anyway, so he's thrown out. And all of a sudden, she's like uh, the Albert Einstein of the Democrat Party. And so they keep promoting her. And so the media create these people, remember? These are pseudo-events, pseudo-journalism. Surrounded by propaganda. The state legislature in Arizona is doing an audit of the past election. They want to know what went right, and they want to know what went wrong. They have been fought by the Democrat Party. They've been fought by the law firm of Perkins Coy and this uh, reprobate, Mark Ellis, a real slip-and-fall guy. They have been fought by the media, and they've been fought by the Democrat Party. And then the United States Department of Justice continues to threaten the state legislature in Arizona that they may have to look into this recount, or not recount, this audit, because it might be discouraging minorities from voting. Well, how do you retroactively discourage minorities from voting? And what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. They just need a pretext. Apparently, they're finding interesting things. I don't know what they're going to find. Interesting, though, isn't it? The prior election, they tell us, Russia collusion, that's how Trump won. This election, you're not even allowed to talk about it. It's over. Be done. Let's move on. They stole the election in 1960 from Richard Nixon, as Bill O'Reilly pointed out on this program, and he's exactly right, with West Virginia, Cook County coming in and giving Illinois to Kennedy. Because Kennedy's father, Joseph Sr., was a crook, among many other things. Another great anti-Semite, but that's another story for another day. Anyway, Lyndon Johnson became a United States senator through fraud. He won by 40-some votes. One of the party bosses held back, waited to see how many votes Lyndon would need, and gave him the votes. 
excuse me, that was his first house race I'm talking about. First house race. Became a multi-multi-millionaire. Somehow he got the license to the only television station in Austin, Texas. The only radio station in Austin, Texas. And somehow anybody who wanted to compete and have another station, either on radio or TV, was prevented by the Federal Communications Commission. Wow. Corrupt as hell, in my humble opinion. We saw the effort of Al Gore to try and steal the election from George W. Bush. I think George W. Bush has amnesia. He challenged that election. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen? He fought it. He went in every court that Gore went to, went up to the Supreme Court, hired all the best lawyers he possibly could. Our friend Ted Olson, among others, he wasn't going to just concede the election. Remember that, George? You fought like hell. But the Democrats didn't want him to win that election either. They said he was an illegitimate president. You see, folks, our presidents are always illegitimate. Ronald Reagan won. But they said he didn't win. Because somehow, the debate book, the debate book was stolen, and the Reagan campaign got to look at it. So that was an illegitimate win. George W. Bush, his election, stole it, don't you know, because of the Electoral College. His election was illegitimate. Donald Trump's election was illegitimate because of Russia collusion. Of course, that never existed. Went on year after year after year. And then there are legitimate concerns, from my perspective, on a constitutional level, particularly in Pennsylvania, but in five battleground states. Again, I'm not talking about ballots or machines. I'm talking about federal constitutional law. And these state legislatures are trying to fix this situation. They're trying to take the constitutional electoral processes that they had back, for which they're now being, oh, you must be Jim Crow from the party of Jim Crow. But don't look here. Don't look. Don't speak. Don't do anything. And so Stacey Abrams has a new line, being the propagandist that she is and the race baiter that she is. And of course, Anderson Cooper, he's not only stupid, but he's obviously in her camp. Cut seven, go. When you see this so-called audit in Arizona. So it's a so-called audit in Arizona. Why have a guest on if you're Anderson Cooper? Just talk to yourself. Just talk to yourself. Just do a monologue. When you see the so-called audit. Go ahead. Cut seven. When you see this so-called audit in Arizona with cell phone jammers and UV lights and conspiracy theories about bamboo ballots brought in from Asia, what's uh, happening? Uh, uh, what's happening? What's happening? When you see the, the, the bamboo ballots and the stuff from Asia, and, uh, what, what's happening? What a jackass. Really? Is that what the auditors are finding? Anderson, have you gone to Arizona? Have you talked to anybody? Now, this is all, you know, fluff for you. By the way, guy has no ratings. But it doesn't matter at CNN, because CNN is ultimately owned by AT&T. AT&T is worth hundreds of billions of dollars. So whatever CNN loses, it's like mustard at the ballpark. It means nothing. Nothing. Pennies. And then they have this so-called news operation on their payroll, so they know they'll never get attacked. 
That's what they do. They buy up these little news operations that have no ratings, that lose money, and they use them for cover. Well, what did Stacey Abrams have to say to that very intelligent and gripping question? Go. It's a continuation of the big lie, but more importantly and more concerningly, it's a continuation of the insurrection. There you go. It's an insurrection. Now, the Democrats went to court to try and block this audit. They lost. And so, therefore, it's an insurrection. It's a continuation of the insurrection, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the unarmed insurrection where the Attorney General of the United States says that's the greatest threat to America? Not nuclear missiles aimed at us by Xi Jinping. Not nuclear missiles aimed at us by Putin. Not the threat of North Korea's missiles. Not the threat that Iran will get missiles. Not the, the vulnerability of our oil pipelines, the vulnerability of our electrical grid, and I can go on. No, 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 that's not the greatest threat. No, no, no. White supremacy is the greatest threat. These people don't even live in the real world. So this is a continuation of the insurrection. They told her this is what you need to say, or she came up with it her own. She knew it would be, uh, it would be uh, grabbed on by the media. A chum for the sharks out there. This is a continuation of the insurrection. Yes, yes. This is intended to disenfranchise the voters. Yes, so any attempt to find out what happened, to look into the integrity of the vote, to put these electoral systems in these states back into a federal and state constitutional construct. It's Jim Crow. It's an insurrection. These people are sick. Stacey Abrams is unhinged. Go ahead. This attempt to disenfranchise voters and to dismiss the legitimacy of our elections. And we so how are they disenfranchising voters by doing an audit? We do audits all the time of all kinds of stuff. You notice... You're not allowed to audit, you're not allowed to litigate, you're not allowed to question, you're not allowed to look. When it comes to the Democrats, you can't, don't look. When it comes to Republicans, you want their tax returns, you want ballot boxes, you want, you want everything. You want a proctologist on the scene to see everything. But when it comes to the Democrats, no, what are you looking at? Year after year with the Russia collusion. Year after year that George W. Bush is an illegitimate president. And then, and then this. The state legislature, why wouldn't they look? Why wouldn't they look when the Democrats, statewide office holders, they felt were changing the rules at the end of the game? Them too, just like in Pennsylvania. But you can't look. But we will look. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. 
Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know, there's a story that's uh, not on the radar, and I want to bring this to your attention. I heard uh, Stacey Abrams go on about this insurrection. You know, folks, uh, what's happening right now to Donald Trump has never happened to another American president, ever. There's a piece in the Wall Street Journal that has received no attention on any television channel that I'm aware of. Probably not on any radio broadcast, because people want to talk about masks. That's fine. I want to talk about this, and it may take us through the bottom of the hour. Prosecutors seek cooperation of Trump confidants subpoena Manhattan private school. What the hell is this now? New York prosecutors... This would be the Manhattan office with this Cy Vance, that putz. Have subpoenaed a Manhattan private school as they seek the cooperation of the Trump Organization's chief financial officer in their investigation of former President Donald Trump and his company, according to people familiar with the matter. All right, so this is leaked by the prosecutors. The subpoena seeks information from Columbia Grammar and Preparatory School, where grandchildren of Trump Organization Chief Financial Officer Alan Weisselberg are students, the people said. The 2012 to 2019, from 2012 to 2019, more than $500,000 of the children's tuition was paid for with checks signed by either Mr. Weisselberg or Mr. Trump. The two children's mother, Jennifer Weisselberg, told the Wall Street Journal she's the former wife of Mr. Weisselberg's son, Barry. Ms. Weisselberg said she told Manhattan prosecutors that she and Barry understood the tuition payments to be part of her ex-husband's compensation package at the Trump organization where he worked. Former prosecutors not involved in the probe said the Manhattan District Attorney's Office could be examining whether the Weisselbergs evaded taxes with the tuition payment arrangement. Now, let's just stop a second. You have a grandfather. If this is accurate, who's helping to pay the tuition of his grandkids to go to this private school. And you have these local prosecutors now who are looking for anything, and they want to put the shoulder on this grandfather who's the chief financial officer for uh, President Trump's companies to try and pressure him to come up with dirt on President Trump. Now, you understand here that there's no 
crime that President Trump's committed. They're trying to find something and anything and create a basis for an indictment. And they tell us we shouldn't look into audits of Arizona or anything like this. And this is how they treat our people. This is how they treat our president. They are trying to put him in jail over nothing. The most investigated man in the history of the country. The subpoena marks a separate front. Listen how they write. In the investigation of Mr. Trump by Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr.'s office, which has for months been asking Alan Weisselberg for his cooperation, according to people familiar with this matter, Mr. Weisselberg has worked for Mr. Trump, the Trump Organization, for decades. He's regarded as Mr. Trump's confidant and his company's financial gatekeeper. Mr. Weisselberg hasn't been accused of wrongdoing, except now in this newspaper, the Wall Street Journal, because of the leaks from the prosecutors. So they're going to drag in the chief financial officer's family and his children And his support for his grandchildren going to school and maybe Mr. Trump's support to help them go to school. To try and find some little nibbing tax issue. Prosecutors often seek the cooperation, here you go, of someone possibly involved in a crime to obtain confidential information and provide a potential roadmap to records or documents. In other words, this is called phishing. An ex-president is being subjected to this by an elected Democrat jackass prosecutor. Typically, prosecutors offer a potential defendant leniency in exchange for their help. Putting pressure on a possible defendant's family is one way to encourage cooperation. So they're going to put pressure on this grandfather, pressure on his son. Over what? Over what? We want him to deliver the goods on Trump, deliver something. This is what Mueller tried. This is what Mueller tried. Sends Manafort to prison. Sends Stone to prison. With that clown judge in Washington, D.C., whatever her name is, Berman or whatever. Berman Jackson. People who know Mr. Weisselberg say he's faithful to the Trump organization and question whether he would ever breathe Uh, breached that loyalty. In 2017, he became a co-trustee charged with managing the president's business assets. So they're going after this guy. They're looking at his records. They're looking at anything he did, including for his family members and his grandchildren, because they want to get him, get him, get him, and then get Trump. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden, where's Hunter Biden? He's teaching. He's having kids with a stripper. He's having uh, porno pictures. He was doing drugs. He's cutting deals with the Ukrainians, cutting deals with the Chinese. Skies, he's living the great life. I'll be right back. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. 
I've asked uh, Mr. Call Screener to leave three lines open. We have six lines. People are trying to get in, but we're going to keep three open for the following inquiry. Any of you out there who have been federal prosecutors or state prosecutors, any of you out there who have worked on lawyer ethics committees, say for the Supreme Court of your state, my question to you is this. What can a person do when there's prosecutorial abuse of the sort that Donald Trump has been facing? Oh, I know you can file complaints with the bar, but if the bar is corrupt in a particular state, that is, it's loaded with liberal Democrats, they don't have a problem with this, what is it? Can they bring some kind of a civil suit? I mean, I have my own ideas, which I've written down here, and some of the basic things that I know can be done, but anything that can be done that's effective, that's aggressive, for somebody who is just subjected to these endless investigations and leaks to the media. So we're going to leave three lines open for people who've actually practiced uh, criminal law or been involved in ethics cases to share what they know or what's possible with the American people. The number is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I want to continue with this story, ladies and gentlemen. Frank Peroni Jr., a lawyer for Columbia Prep, the prep school, said it is the school's practice to comply with all lawful requests made by authorities. Of course, they must. Ms. Ms. Weisselberg, this is the the former daughter-in-law of the CFO to the Trump companies, told the journal she and her ex-husband never paid their children's tuition. She said she delivered some checks to the school that were signed by Mr. Trump. She said others, beginning around 2015, were signed by... Alan Weisselberg, that's the CFO. So what? The Wall Street Journal viewed records from Ms. Weisselberg showing Columbia Prep received more than half a million in payments. The records don't show who made the payments. So she's cooperating or working with the media for some reason. She's dragging her kids into this. Last month, prosecutors subpoenaed Ms. Weisselberg requesting information obtained through her divorce including tax records, net worth statements, and financial records related to the Trump organization, the journal reported. Does not the district attorney of Manhattan have anything better to do than to try and find some little tax issue here by putting pressure on a woman who's divorced for her records? By putting pressure on her former father-in-law to try and come up with something against Donald Trump? I'll tell you what they're looking for here. I will tell you what they're looking for. There are certain gift limits. Certain gift limits. I'm not talking about father to son or mother to grandchildren. I'm talking about between and among people who are not related. Some of you may know this, $17,000 a person and so forth. So what are they looking for? That somebody may have paid $50,000 and didn't report it to the IRS? And what are you going to do with that? Indict them? You can penalize them and they can pay interest or do whatever the, you know, whatever the accountants tell you to do and whatever the IRS decides to do. So they are, they are trying to pressure this poor guy 
over his grandchildren going to this private school unless he gives them something on Trump. Because they figure he has the keys to the, to the castle, this guy. For decades and decades. He was the chief financial officer. So trusted by President Trump that President Trump handed his trust over to him to manage. This is what's going on with the Manhattan DA. And the Manhattan DA, I will remind you, has Donald Trump's tax records. And even though the Supreme Court ruled, yes, he can have the tax records, but no fishing expedition, looks to me like somebody's on a fishing expedition, doesn't it to you? So I'd be curious to know out there, any of you uh, not slip and fall lawyers, real legal beagles, Mr. Producer, you'll let me know if we have one or two, okay? Nothing yet, because it's not an easy answer. In 2018, deposition of his divorce proceedings. Barry Weisselberg, this is the son, said he didn't know if Donald Trump had personally paid for a household, family, or personal expenses during his marriage. He said tuition, rent, camps, and other expenses paid by his father weren't gifts or loans, but rather financial assistance, according to the deposition. Yeah, this is what they're doing. Peanuts. They're chasing peanuts. That's what they're doing. To try and get people to testify and try and get information on Donald Trump. Our lousy Supreme Court that wouldn't even look at one of two of the crucially important cases in Pennsylvania, even though three justices wanted to look at both of them, couldn't cobble together two more. Amy Barraconi, what a loser. Brett Kavanaugh, what another loser. Issues that Clarence Thomas correctly says are going to come back. Can't ignore them. Involves the federal constitution. The sanctity of the, of the vote. But they could handle this. Oh yes, yes. He should turn over his tax returns. Now any elected local prosecutor can create a, a phony basis for getting a president's tax returns. And so I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden didn't pay into Medicare, Obamacare taxes. He set up two S corporations. So he and Dr. Jill wouldn't contribute to the Medicare system and Obamacare when they were really making millions. Twelve and a half to thirteen million dollars they exempted by setting up two S corporations. Lunch bucket Joe. Lunch bucket full of cash. Is there not a Republican prosecutor anywhere who should look into this? And I'm saying this because the only thing the left understands is mutually assured destruction. That's the only thing they understand. I lived it. I saw it with the independent counsel statute. They were really giddy using it during Iran Contra, going after the the president, vice president, and attorney general, secretary of state, secretary of defense. They were having a hell of a time until it was used against them. And Bill Clinton. One after another after another investigation by our good friend Ken Starr. And finally the Democrats said, uncle, let's get rid of this law. Well, until we treat the Democrats the way they treat Republicans, until we treat Joe Biden the way they treat Donald Trump, this will not come to an end. Still, no legal beagle. 
It's a tough question that I've posed. What can be done? I fear not a lot. That's what I'm worried about. They're still chasing down Donald Trump. It's such an injustice, so outrageous, that a private citizen who chose to be president, who did so much good for his country, impeached twice, criminal investigation, accused of inciting an insurrection, under constant investigation by federal, state, and local authorities, because he's an incredibly successful and wealthy man, and they figure they can find something, anything, like the old Soviet Union. Like Berra, Stalin's hitman. Show me the individual, I'll show you the crime. That's exactly what's going on here. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Well, we had one wonderful caller with some experience. And the caller brought up, at least in the federal context, a Bivens action. Now, I'm familiar with a Bivens action, but let me give you a little background about this. It's a constitutional tort. It was created by the U.S. Supreme Court. The Supreme Court created, this is uh, lawlsu.edu, a private damages action against federal officials for constitutional torts. That's civil rights violations which are not covered by uh, certain other laws. In Bivens versus six unknown named agents of the FBI, goes back to 1971, the Supreme Court held that the Fourth Amendment gives rise to a right of action against federal law enforcement officials for damages from an unlawful search and seizure in that particular case. Since a Bivens action is brought against a federal official in their official's personal capacity, It's not considered to be an action against the United States, and therefore is not barred by sovereign immunity. Bivens is not a general tort law. The plaintiff seeking a damages remedy under Bivens must first demonstrate that constitutional rights have been violated. 
Hiven suits have been acknowledged by the court as having more of a deterrence effect against federal officials from committing constitutional torts. A Bivens suit is a personal suit against the official. Punitive damages are recoverable. The government is substituted for the defendant in the case. The Bivens, thus, a Bivens defendant is at risk for personal liability. The main defense of the federal official in a Bivens action is official immunity from actions for damages. And there are two types of official immunity available, affirmative defenses that I won't get into. But here in this case, we're talking about a local district attorney. We're talking about a district attorney. But you still have constitutional rights, federal constitutional rights. Let's say somebody charges you, you go into court, they violate your due process rights. You have due process rights as a citizen of the United States, period not as a citizen of the federal government. I'm no expert on Bivens, but I wonder if this can be extended to a local or state prosecutor. But anybody in New York, and look, we don't even have to put you on the air. Uh, We've had, and I'm not even going to give you their titles and what positions they have. We've had some very people who've held prominent positions calling the program. Anybody in the state of New York or in the city of New York City who's practiced criminal law, who's been a prosecutor, perhaps. What would you do? What can you do? Other than make a, you know, filing with the, uh, the bar and so forth, or with the Supreme Court. What would you do in a case of a out-of-control rogue prosecutor? What could you bring? What kind of action could you bring? Let's keep a couple lines open, Mr. Producer, if we might. Do we have any other callers there, or did we clean them all out? All right, non-related to this, to whom shall I speak? Yes. Cheryl in California, 870, the great KRLA. How are you, Cheryl? I'm fine, Mark. And I just want to say that, you know, my mom and I always send you our love. Um, she's just, I don't, I, I swear, I don't even know where to begin. I was all prepared to talk about. Only one minute, kiddo. Uh, so, but um, you know what? I don't know. Uh, you know, nothing's more important than what you're talking about right now. Uh, and I'm, I just, as a law professor, I can just say uh, abuse of process. Um, you know, the sad thing about malicious institution of civil proceedings and malicious prosecution is you have to already go to court and has yep. to be found already yep. in your favor. That's why it's you- a little more complicated, isn't it? You know, but you've also got all the invasion of privacy torts. You know, you, you've got mm-hmm. false light. You've got public disclosure of private facts for the gentleman, the one, they, the, the, the guy, the, the grandfather. Um, and you've got business torts. All right, Cheryl. Cheryl's a sharp lady. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. It's Friday evening all over the country, which means tomorrow's Saturday, the next day Sunday. And I'm not on radio Saturday and Sunday. So I'm not on radio to remind you to please head over to Amazon.com and pre-order your copies of American Marxism during the course of the show. Apparently several thousand of you have. Somebody just sent me a link to the Amazon list. Number one is Dr. Seuss. Oh, the places you'll go. And I like that. Number two is American Marxism. Number three is Oprah Winfrey's book. We are beating Oprah Winfrey thanks to you Levinites. I've always said there's more patriots out there. More people who love this country than not. And as we build this movement, and you can see aspects of the movement already showing up on TV and radio... You can see it showing up at school board meetings and elections and so forth. You can see the movement developing just by our engagement and talking about it. And just by understanding who these other people are who are doing these things to us. Then we know how to engage. We know where to go. We know what to do. I cannot wait until this book is released. Man, oh man, I am ready to roll. I am tired of playing defense. I'm tired of standing on our heels here, folks. Like I told you the other day, or maybe it was last week, these books come out on crisis management, crisis preparedness. And we're all grabbing these books. What do I need to do? No, no, let them write books about that. Let them worry about us. Let us go on offense. It's our country. We don't have to abandon any aspect of this culture, whether it's Hollywood, whether it's the classroom, whether it's media platforms, whatever it is. We don't have to abandon it at all. It all belongs to us, we the American people. And for you left-wing kooks out there, I don't mean white people, I mean all red-blooded Americans who love this country. And it may surprise some of you leftists that there's a lot of people who love this country from every walk of life. That's who I'm talking to, not the reprobates, the malcontents, and the miscreants. I don't care about them. People often ask me, why, why? It's a very important word, why? Now, let them ask why. Let them ask, who are these people? Who are these people? Let them ask, what are they reading? What are they doing? This book, American Marxism, is the most important thing I've ever written for the most important time of my life. I think it's the most important time of your life, too. We're not just... On the premises, looking into the abyss, we're falling into the abyss. And we have very little time to turn things around. So join me. I'm joining you. This is for you. Join me. And let's do our thing. All of you, Paul Revere's out there, you Thomas Paine's out there. We're proud of our history. Well, you are in a position to make history. And I know you will. 
And so we want 100,000 pre-order hard copy of American Marxism. That's my goal. So when this book comes out in July, 100,000 people will have this book in their hands. And if you order more than one or two books, it's still 100,000 people who will have this in their hands because you're not going to read three copies of the same book. You're going to give them to other people. This is important, too, if you can afford it. If you can't, I, I got it. But if you can, this is the book. This is the book. I'm literally putting the final edits on this book. They're due on Monday. The book is 99.9% done. These are the final edits where I decide, is there something I need to add? Is there something I've missed? I do this three times before I allow the book to be sent to the printer. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. That doesn't mean it'll be perfect. It means I try to make it as perfect as I can. I don't write books that are dumbed down because, as I said, I respect what Rush said to me, which is, your audience is smart. Treat them with respect. So I don't dumb down my books because I know you folks are quite capable of reading them if you're listening to this program or watching my TV programs. On the other hand, in this book, I'm not trying to make it so difficult and complicated that it's only good for, say, a doctoral program. That doesn't do us any damn good either. This is a mix, this book. This is a mix of scholarship with deep thought, but that not, doesn't mean difficult, just deep. With exposés, where we begin to expose certain movements, who's behind the movements, what these movements are about, in ways that you haven't heard yet. And in the end, what can we do about it? And so I provide a pretty comprehensive uh, analysis of that. But that said, it won't be comprehensive enough because I want all of your input too. And I and we have the benefit of this microphone, the benefit of my Sunday Fox show, the benefit of Levin TV. But books are uniquely, uniquely patriotic means by which to communicate with each other. Because once my book's published, nobody can get in the way of it. No retailer, no matter how big. And we watch and learn from our history. I'm not on Twitter or Facebook anymore. This is what's shocking the publishing world, just so you know. We have 70,000 hardcover pre-orders in a little over two weeks. And I'm not even on Twitter or Facebook. I'm not even able to encourage you on Twitter or Facebook with links to this or that, to go get it. It's this microphone. It's radio. That's what it is. It's you hearing this. And saying, by God, I'm going to act. If there's something I can do, I'm going to do it. And if this is a book that will encourage me to do it and give me some ideas and give me a lot of information that I could take to the dinner table or give to my kid who's going to college or my kid that's going to high school or give it to a neighbor that's kind of on the fence and doesn't quite get it, then by God, I'm going to do it. And that's what Levinites do. What people don't understand with my audience, my fantastic audience, is that you're engaged. You don't just whine and complain. You want to know. You're inquisitive. 
You want to know things about your country. You want to know things about people who hate your country. You want to jump in. You want to be able to talk about these things at the breakfast table, the dinner table. You want to be able to talk these, these things. Did you hear what so-and-so said on so-and-so's show? One of the things I always do, because you are not the average bear out there, is I provide hundreds and hundreds of endnotes. And this book has more endnotes than any book I've ever written. You might read something and say, you know what, that's fascinating. I'd like to know more. Go to the back of the book, you look at the endnote, and you can dig it up. And you can dig it up. So I hope I won't be here Saturday and Sunday to say anything. I'm not on Twitter or Facebook. We are on, what is it, Parler, which works from time to time. But I hope you'll check it out. I hope you'll go over there. I hope you'll remember. Also, a reminder, we have a great show this Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We have two great guests. Ron Dermer, who was actually born in Florida. His father was the mayor of Miami Beach. His brother was the mayor of Miami Beach. It's a wonderful family. He was the ambassador to the United States from the state of Israel for seven years. Uniquely qualified to talk about what's going on over there. And how it impacts us too, by the way. And my second guest, I have one or two guests, that's it. Is Dr. Peter Pry, the number one expert in the country. On threats to the electrical grid and threats to all of our grids, including our oil grids. And we will talk about what's going on and, again, our vulnerabilities. We're spending trillions and trillions of dollars dragging this country into massive debt like the Weimar Republic. Inflation starting to pick up big time. And apparently nothing is earmarked to protect the electrical grid. Nothing is earmarked to protect the electrical grid. Massive infrastructure they want to spend on propellers, on solar panels made in China. On electric cars that nobody can afford. This is the genius of Joe Biden. This is the genius of the left. You can put them all together and they've spent about three and a half hours in their entire lives working in the private sector. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi have never, never worked in the private sector, the best I can tell. Never had to hire people, never had to make a profit. Never, never grilled a hamburger. But they know everything. And of course, they know nothing. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Elise Stefanik is the new conference chair for the Republicans' number three position in the uh, Republican House of the Republicans. And there was some controversy about her past voting record. And I asked one of my friends who raised this with me, I said, yeah, but has she, has she moved more to the right? And he wasn't sure. I think she has, quite frankly. And time will tell. It would seem strange if she hasn't, because she's all in for Donald Trump. She was all in for Donald Trump. Um, she seemed to say many of the right things today. So let's take a listen, just a little bit, to what Elise Stefanik had to say at a press conference today, after she was voted by the Republicans to be their number three leader. Cut 11, go. The American people are suffering under the far-left radical socialist policies of President Joe Biden and Speaker Nancy Pelosi. In just over 100 days, we have an economic crisis, we have a border crisis, and we have a national security crisis. The economic crisis, we see the worst jobs report in over 20 years. Unemployment is up, small businesses are struggling to hire workers, and Speaker Pelosi and Joe Biden's solution to that is to pay people to stay out of work rather than incentivizing people to get back to work. As Republicans, we are fighting to reopen the economy, to create jobs, we are fighting against the trillion Trillions of dollars of tax increases and the trillions of dollars of reckless spending. The border crisis. This is not only a national security and homeland security crisis. This is a humanitarian crisis. We see historic concerning numbers when it comes to human trafficking on the border, when it comes to dr- drug trafficking on the border. Every single state in this nation is a border state and feels that impact. At home in my district, the northern border is being impacted because Border Patrol officers are being transferred from the northern border to the southern border. Republicans stand for border security. And of course, the national security crisis. We are seeing our strongest ally, Israel, under attack. And we have seen Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi not step up to stand by and support Israel and prioritize outreach to adversaries like China and Iran. So I'm very excited for this opportunity. We are unified, working as one team. And the American people know that the stakes are incredibly high. We are going to fight for them each and every day against the destructive, radical, far-left socialist agenda of President Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi that's destroying America. Yeah, the word that comes to mind here is wow, don't you think, Mr. Reducer? Boom, 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 boom. Now, briefly, uh, she was asked a question by a reporter. Let's go to cut 12. Go ahead. Is 
President Trump the leader of the Republican Party? I believe that voters determine the leader of the Republican Party, and President Trump is the leader that they look to. Uh, I support President Trump. Uh, voters support President Trump. He is an important voice in our Republican Party, and we look forward to working with him. How can you be unified so long as you have some members who support the former president and some who don't? We are unified, and I look to the voters across America. Republican voters are unified in their support and their desire to work with President Trump, and we are unified as Republicans. Uh, as, you, as I said, this is the slimmest majority that Nancy Pelosi has in a generation. We picked up a number of seats, defied expectations. We're going on offense, and we're going to win on the issues, because people are understanding that Joe Biden's pledge to bi of bipartisanship, he has broken that pledge since his first day in office. Mm, so far, so good. We'll see, but so far, so good. I may run a little litmus test here. If we invite people on, will they come on? <laughs> But she wanted to, she was willing to come on this program, wasn't she, Rich? Absolutely. So um, we take a look. You know, Ronald Reagan was a Democrat before he was a Republican. Donald Trump was a Democrat and a Reform Party member before he was a Republican. That's not to say that there is some kind of consistency here, but you've got to give somebody a little slack. I mean, she sounds very, very solid. She sounds, uh, we'll see. But I suspect she will continue in this mode. Because there are two unifying forces in the Republican Party. Donald Trump, whether the media and the never-Trumpers and the Bush-Cheney crowd want to believe it or not. Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Because Republicans cannot stand Joe Biden and more and more people are going to learn through their paychecks, through their pensions, through their savings, through their pocketbooks and their wallets. What a disaster Joe Biden is for them and the entire country. Nothing ticks off an American like long gasoline lines or going to a gas station and there's no gasoline because Americans know instinctively we were energy independent 100 days ago. Joe Biden shut down the Keystone XL pipeline as if he was a ransomware warrior, cyberspace warrior. The so-called climate change or degrowth movement, I call it, in this country... That's what they used to call themselves, by the way. Will do more damage to us than any cyber war gang in the world. And Joe Biden signed on to that. The, bo the border is the worst it's ever been in modern American history in 100 days. The debt's the biggest that's ever been in 100 days. And we could go on. So on the positive side, President Trump unites us. On the negative side, Biden unites us. But we're a very united group. We're a very united group, despite what some individuals have to say. And the media, of course, want to divide us. That's why they're going to continue to promote Liz Cheney. Now, they don't divide the Democrat Party. You'll see none of the stooges, the Marxist anti-Semites that I talked about earlier today... None of them will be on Sunday shows, or none of them, if Pelosi's on or Schumer's on, will be mentioned to them about, don't you have a division in your party between, you know, the kooks and the uh, kind of kooks? They'll never quote Talib. They'll never quote Omar. They'll never quote Ayach. They'll never quote Presley. They'll never, pro the, the list is getting long. 
Cory Bush, they'll never quote any of them to any of the Democrat leaders and say, do you agree with this? Is your party divided? Are you concerned about the anti-Semitism? I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Troy, is Troy still there? Pine Grove, Pennsylvania, XM Satellite. Troy, how are you? I am good. Thank you, Mark, for taking my call. You bet. Hey, uh, I I just want to say real quick, keep up the work on uh, critical race theory because I see it everywhere now, and I Mm -hmm. think you were the first one to sound the alarm on that, so thank you for that. We've been beating the pots and pans. Thank you, but I want people to really understand it, and that way we can really combat it even better. And I I bought your book, and I sent one to my daughter, so uh, thank you for that. So anyway, my question for you is uh, my my, uh, wife works in a uh, food production facility, Mm -hmm. and uh, they wear the hairnets and stuff, and yeah. vaccinated people are wearing yellow hairnets, and non-vaccinated people are supposed to wear white hairnets. Wow. And HR, yeah, the uh, Human Resources Department keeps track of this because they come in, they show their uh, vaccination card. So I just wanted to, I mean, is this... That, that is outrageous. I, di- I didn't know that the virus can be passed through uh, food. Has anybody heard that before? I don't believe so. This is, this is what's going on. You know, so now we have these companies that are doing the dirty work for, the, for autocracy. And, you know, uh, I don't know what your wife can possibly do about that, but those of us who go into retail stores who keep demanding masks, we know what we can do about that. But uh, I assume it's non-union, correct? It is non-union, yes. But that doesn't mean that the workers there can't get together and raise a stink. I'm not saying they want to. I'm just saying, wow, that's pretty amazing. So they're keeping track of it in HR. That's unbelievable. Is it constitutional? Is is that legal? Well, it's a private company. I suppose they can. They're not discriminating based on the protected classes, you know, race, gender, that sort of thing. So I suppose they can. Okay. Yep. That is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I know where Pine Grove is, by the way. It's very nice. 
Well, I hope to move to Florida. My daughter lives in Florida, so I hope to move down there very shortly. We're going to need all the Republicans we can get because all the Democrats are dragging their asses down here. I've never, you know, I have a place, we have a place down here, and I'm seeing all these cars from New York. Now, I don't mind cars from New York if these are freedom-loving citizens trying to escape holy hell. I got that. But if these are Democrats, you know, teachers and retirement and that sort of thing, moving down here because they want to take advantage of a no-income tax when they voted for these leftists in New York to raise taxes, they leave behind their fellow citizens, they take their pensions, they come down here only to vote for more Democrats, they can go to hell. On the other hand, anybody in New York who wants to vote for conservatives and conservative Republicans, I think you ought to go to Florida. That's my opinion. Yeah. Anyway, take care of yourself, Troy. Is, uh, let's see, is Stephen in Asheville, North Carolina, XM Satellite? Are you still there, sir? Go right yeah, ahead, Stephen. How you doing? Good. How are you? The folks that, good. The folks that are articulating the agenda for the current Democratic Party are not liberal and they are not progressive. And we need to stop defining these people the way their propaganda suggests that we define them. It is political appropriation. They are hijacking terminology. And for all of you self-identified liberal progressives out there, please understand that the centralization and consolidation of government is not a liberal concept. And regardless of the fact that you believe it's for a good cause, putting more power into the hands of a government body is not progressive. It is a regress back to an autocratic form of government Beautifully put, and you'll notice, and if you do get it, you'll read in the book right in the beginning. I don't put up with these terms, progressive, democratic socialism, and so forth. Those are phrases that are used to try and conceal the true purpose of what these people are doing to us. And that's one of the things we need to fight, so you're right on. Thank you for your call, my friend. Bob Morrow, Bay California, XM Satellite. Are you still there, sir? I am, my friend, and I've got five books on the way. Wow. Thank you. You're very kind and very patriotic. Hey, well, I, I, that's very kind of you to say. This whole thing that all of a sudden I've got under my skin, this whole voter suppression mm-hmm. phrase. I'm, and, and it just gets under my skin because it, I live out here in California. If there's anybody that feels like their vote has been suppressed, it's us. Mm-hmm. So when Stacey Abrams starts her nonsense about, and she loses by 50,000 votes, and then she's going to start talking about voter suppression, I'd like her to come out to the West Coast where there's more voter suppression, according to, you know, her theory, I think voter suppression by her definition is. I didn't get my way. Yeah, the Democrats lost. And we yeah. need to make so, sure we set up a system where only the Democrats can win, and then it's not voter suppression. Look, she is a liar. She is a leftist. Uh, she is a joke. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Am I yeah, allowed to I, say I that? Have, I think uh, I am. Yeah. I, I have, I have I, that, that whole phrase is exactly like the phrase, it's become a phrase like racist. When, when in doubt, throw the phrase. And that's what voters – when's the last time a Republican said voter suppression? Never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. 
All right, because uh, the way the Democrats steal elections is by, you know, stuffing the ballot box. And then they say count every vote. They've been doing that. They did it in the 60s. They do it in most of their cities. They were doing it since the 20s and 30s, 40s and 50s. There's been books written written about this. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Let's see. Who's left, Mr. Producer? Where's she from again? I lost my email. Tom's River, New Jersey, which we love. Brenda, how are you on the great WABC? It is such a pleasure to talk to you, uh, Mr. Sullivan. You have no idea. You're a wonderful, wonderful patriot, and I I do enjoy your shows. But I I do have one concern. Um, On this whole Middle Eastern issue, Chuck Schumer seems to be getting a pass on this. Mm -hmm. There wasn't one person who uh, called him out to say one thing about it. Yet he came on WABC and he said, as long as I'm around, Israel's going to be here. So, uh, I mean, uh, where is he? Not one person asked him to stand up. Well, uh, he won't come on my show on WABC in New York. Uh, I've despised him for 20 years, almost, that I've been on WABC. He's a coward. Uh, I would confront him, obviously, as long as he's there. What the hell has he done? And you're exactly right. What has he even said? What has he said? What has he said about the anti-Semites in his own party? If there were anti-Semites in my party, I would speak out, wouldn't you? Well, well, well. Let me tell you something. That that was my concern because when Black Lives Matter comes around, he's the first one to oh, stand yeah. up and start bellowing. But when it comes to his own, and you want to know, it's a terrible thing to say. But my whole family is very diversified, uh, all different religions and mm-hmm. colors and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we one thing that we do agree on that Chuck Schumer is a self-hating Jew. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you that. That's my opinion. Thank you for your call. Now, why do I say that? Has he led the fight against Biden's renewed effort with Iran? And obviously Israel knows better than than most other countries whether or not this deal is dangerous to Iran. They live right there in the neighborhood. So do these Gulf State Arab countries. Has he bent a finger to deal with Talib and Omar and AOC and the other anti-Semite Marxists in his party? Never. Has he confronted Bernie Sanders about the things Bernie Sanders has said? Nothing. He's a fraud. Chuck Schumer's a fraud, and he always will be a fraud. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. 
That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Man, oh man, we're at 70,000. I think we're going to get to 100,000. I think we're going to launch this movement, ladies and gentlemen. If you get a chance tonight, Saturday or Sunday... Maybe make a note to yourself. Please go over to Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble or Walmart or whatever, wherever you want to go. But a lot of people monitor this Amazon, and I hope you'll get your copies of American Marxism as I put the final touches on it. I mean, the little, little touches, because it's really done. And it'll be out soon enough. I'm chomping at the bit because I want to do this together. We're going to do this together. We're going to be united. We're going to have a united front. We're going to do things that I don't think people expect us to do. The silent majority will be silent no longer. And please check us out Sunday. We're the highest rated Sunday primetime show on cable news thanks to you. Notice I said we, not me, not I. We are the highest. And that's 8 p.m. Eastern time. We have two tremendous guests. The former ambassador to the United States from Israel, Ron Dermer. Um, who has many, many important things to say. And the second guest is Dr. Peter Pry. Also, many, many important things to say. You've seen him on my show once or twice before, and on Levin TV, as well as here on the radio, where we're going to talk about our vulnerability and what we need to do about this, because what happened with the Colonial Pipeline, that's a walk in the park compared to the entire electrical grid. And I can tell you in Virginia, where we live, and in Florida, where we live, I'm in Florida right now, They are closed gas stations. There are gas stations that don't have a drip of gasoline. So this is critically important. All right, folks. It's Friday in honor of you.
right, folks. The week is officially over, and the weekend begins right now. I'll see you on Fox Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you can't watch it, I hope you'll DVR it. I'll see you on Amazon.com, and God bless you, folks. I'm quite serious. What would I do without you? We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Gigi. And unfortunately, this Sunday is one year since I've lost my little Barney. Good night, Barney. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Good night, Leo. And God bless each and every one of you. And I'll see you on Monday.